0: Good morning, beautiful people. Welcome to the Michael Slate Show. My name is Sansara Taylor. I am your guest host. I'm so happy to be with you today. We have a really uh, crucial show today with so much happening in the world. To get us started,
1: let's hear this.: My answer to all these people who complain about all the immigrants coming you know across the border, many of them illegally like say, into the U.S, well, okay then, give up. Everything that you, you know, every parasitic benefit that you get from everything that's caused these immigrants to do this in the first place. And then after you've done that, then come back and see if you want to complain about the immigrants. Because this, this, you can't have it both ways. You know, they want to have it both ways, but you can't. You want to have all the plunder and all the destruction and all the disruption and all the upheaval that your system causes and all the exploitation, including of little children, all around the world, which wreaks havoc in these countries, and then you want to complain when the people come here. No, you cannot have it both ways, mother...
0: That was the voice of Bob Avakian, revolutionary leader, putting reality back on its head right side up, because it's so inverted so much of the time, we're told the immigrants are coming here, they're taking our jobs, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're invading our country, blah, blah, blah. And we're told this not just by the fascist white supremacist mega Republicans, we are told this essentially And this is acted upon by Biden, Kamala Harris, and the rest of the Democrats, even as they try to put a friendlier, more humanitarian face on it. They are tightening restrictions on the people who have been driven from their homelands by the workings of global imperialism, most of all U.S. imperialism, who've been set on a desperate journey, leaving behind everything that is familiar, leaving behind family, children, loved ones, setting out on a dangerous journey where they are preyed upon, where they are made vulnerable to the elements, where, where women face sexual assault at phenomenal rates, where they are robbed, where they are insulted and degraded, and they take everything out of a desperate journey to try to make it where they can have some kind of life and send something back to their loved ones, and then they are demonized and they are kept out and they are treated like they are the invading army when they are human beings. So this is going to be a big theme of our show today. We're going to have a couple of segments on this later in the hour. I'm going to bring you Lenny Wolf, speaking about the horrific murder on the subway of Jordan Neely, a black homeless man by a white Marine, where it took over a week more for charges to be pressed against this Marine for assaulting and killing, putting a homeless black man in a chokehold for 15 minutes until his body went limp and the life was squeezed out of him. We're going to hear from Lenny Wolf on this. It's very important. Then we're going to hear from Baba Bacon on dictatorship and democracy, highly relevant to both of these other themes on immigrants and the life and the death of Jordan Neely. What kind of system do we live under? Baba Vakian is going to break this down. He is going to flip reality back, right side up once again. And we'll have a few other things along the way, some music. So with that, I want to dive in with a segment from now this. Um, that brings you the voices of some of the migrants who ride the beast, the top of the trains on the desperate journey to this country, what is driving them, what are the conditions they face? Let's start right off with that.
2: We're just outside Ciudad Juarez and this is the last train stop for this freight train that's eventually going to head into the city. And you can see already dozens of migrants in several of these cars, on top of them, all about. They're asking us if we have water, if we have food. We climb on. The train slowly starts up again, heading north. We meet migrants from all over. Honduras. Honduras. Says he's from Honduras originally and wants to go to the U.S. Felipe Marcela from Colombia, also hoping to enter the U.S. I asked her why the U.S. She said to have a better future. Omar from Venezuela. Baltimore. He's trying to get to Baltimore, Maryland. We rode for an hour. They've been on here for days, 12 days for Roberto and his family. He's with his dad and his sister. Well, on the viaje they roban, los they insult they do everything. says they've been attacked, they've been robbed. Describes a really treacherous track. Part of the train journey north for some is on what's called La Bestia, the beast. It's also known as the train of death and often controlled by cartels. <clears throat> Roberto wears a face mask to not infect the others. Tells me he got sick early on in his travels. A lot of them have been sick, and over the journey, he had to leave his two kids, young ones. He tells me his two toddlers nearly died, so he sent them back with family in Honduras as he continues on. They stand, sit, and sleep on metal construction beams covered in plastic, dirty clothes and cardboard used to make it as comfortable as possible. The heat and sun, brutal. At night, it's the cold and wind. The smells, a range. Sewage at times, and burning trash as we drove past what appears to be an incinerator. Their souls worn down.
3: It
2: it's very dangerous for women too, and they said food is is just really scarce right now. No, we don't have water. a little no. Omar spent four days on board already. Food? is run out. He showed us the little water he has left and the documents he clings to, keeping secured in plastic. So he's reading through all the different situations that would allow you to enter the U.S. So he's got it printed out in Spanish. And, and he's got it, the address it's a of his friend in Baltimore that he hopes to get to. you Four days on the train for him. He said the first day he almost got really sick because the sun was just so strong. And now he's making sure to keep covered as much as possible. He wants to go to New York. For Omar, it's a familiar journey. He left Venezuela six months ago already expelled once from the U.S. for trying to cross. He'll try again. Legal, legal, como se Legally or illegally, he will cross, he tells me. I ask him if he's hopeful.
4: Sí, sí, fe, mucha fe.
2: I've got a lot of faith, he tells me. Ultimately, he hopes to get money to send back to his two kids in Venezuela. Which is my as we pull in the Ciudad Juarez, about 25 miles still from the border wall with El Paso, we and the others climb out. And that's it, you can see most everyone now getting off. It's basically the last stop. Omar among the last off, carrying his only belongings and, somehow, a smile, to planning to cross immediately.
0: We are going to stay on this theme of the humanity of the migrants and the refugees and the human beings who are coming to the U.S. border, who are fighting to get across that bloody line. But before we go forward, we're going to hear some music that is very fitting. This is Outer National. Todos somos ilegales. We are all illegal. And it's featuring Tom Morello, Calle Tracy, and Chad Smith. <laughs>
5: we one? Todos somos ilegales. Fighting for a new way and a new day. Todos somos ilegales. Oye oye, 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 oye. Oye, oye. No necesito documentos. Mírame a los ojos para que leas mi acento. Prohibido como la droga Ilegal como un nazi en una sinagoga Contraindicado Clandestino lo identifica Lo contamino. Más de 600 millones de personas gritando luz verde para invadir Arizona. No necesito diplomas, lo que aprendí lo viví y lo almaceno en mis neuronas. Las experiencias son mis talleres. La vida es un estudio desde que se nace hasta que se muere. Así crucé para el norte buscando buena vida. Componente vacío de materia consumida. Dejé a mi abuela sola para besarle el culo a Ronald McDonald y tomar Coca-Cola. Todos somos ilegales. Todos somos ilegales The fire will Our time has come Todos somos ilegales Find new way in the new day Todos somos ilegales you're All, leaders, all Todos somos ilegales Todos somos ilegales once, Todos somos ilegales
0: Oh, my God, I love that song. That is outer national. Miles Soleil just kills it on the lyrics. I was going to cut it off Um, in my mind, putting the show together. I was going to play you a portion of it, but I couldn't stop listening. It is so compelling. Um, and I want to let you know, uh, the, that band, Outer National, Miles Soleil, is the front man of the band and kind of the heart and soul of the band, Jesse Massa, and it's an it's a incredible band. Uh, that track featured Chad Smith and Calle Trece and Tom Morello. Miles and Auto National actually toured the entire 2,000 miles of the U.S.-Mexican border um, about 10 years, more than 10 years ago. They They performed, they met people, they crossed the border. They really got a tactile sense, a vivid sense of the terrain, of the people, of the cultures, of the music, and of the reality of Everything in those lyrics, including the title, Todos Somos Ilegales, We Are All Illegal. It's such a beautiful song, more poignant now even, so I played the whole thing. I couldn't stop myself. You are listening to The Michael Slate Show. My name is Sansara Taylor. I am your guest host, and we are going to continue one more segment, powerful segment on this reality, flipping reality back right side up about who are the real criminals and where our hearts should be, where our morality should be, where justice is in this question of the migrant and refugee crisis. This is going to be a segment put together by Atlas Wittenfree of the RNL, the Revolution Nothing Less show. Let's have a listen.
6: For decades, the U.S. Mexico border area has been a zone of death, pain, and suffering inflicted by U.S. imperialism upon tens of millions of migrants. People have died trying to reach it. (laughs) People have died trying to cross it. People have died if they get across and then are hunted like animals over deserts, mountains, and raging streams in searing heat or freezing cold. People have been run over by trucks on lonely rural blacktops. The corpses of people bitten by rattlesnakes have been left to rot, miles from help millions have been expelled or deported back to the U.S. created poverty and violence they are trying to escape. The stories, songs, and poems of their anguish could fill volumes these are not random incidents they are a direct result of the relentless exploitation enforced by brutal repression, the U.S. has inflicted on the peoples and countries of this hemisphere for over a century. They are a direct consequence of the policies and actions taken by the ruling class of this country, both Democrats and Republicans. And now, a massive leap in that repression will quite possibly erupt very soon. On May 11th, Title 42 expires.
7: Title 42 is part of the U.S. legal code dealing with public health. During the height of the COVID-19 crisis, the Trump-Pence fascist regime used it to expel hundreds of thousands of people seeking refuge in the U.S., denying them the international human right to apply for asylum. The Biden administration also took up use of Title 42 and used it to expel about 2.4 million people, far surpassing the fascist Trump. But now, with Title 42 coming to an end, leaders of both the Democrats and the Republic fascists and the major news media have been warning of a surge of immigrants at the border when Title 42 expires. A rush toward the southern border. Title
2: 42 set to expire on Thursday. Authorities are now bracing for up to 10,000 migrants a day. One of the
6: most consequential immigration policies in U.S. history. As the U.S. prepares for a surge in migrants, surge of migrants, surge in migrants, <laughs> migrant surge. This is a crisis
7: for this system. This system cannot absorb all these immigrants and the millions more coming behind them into the already strained economy with millions of people already being forced to scramble for the same social services, jobs, and resources. It cannot absorb the enormous numbers of people coming without further inflaming the fanatically racist fascists in society and in the government. These are enormous numbers of people who this system has no future for except death and misery.
5: Ay, Dios mío. Mis
1: hijas. Ay, mis hijas. ¿Por qué crucé?
4: Porque quiero mis hijas corren peligro en Colombia y nos vinimos para acá para que ustedes nos ayuden, y nos, y nos puedan
5: and over in mexico is very dangerous because i have to pay the cartels when i'm traveling a lot of money i'm just trying to seek a better life i'm not a bad person i'm not a violent person
7: enormous numbers of the most vulnerable people men women and children are being talked about as if they are an invading army by the very people who up their countries with actual invading armies. U.S. troops have invaded Latin America more than 70 times, leaving occupying armies for months, years, and in some cases, decades. If you count all U.S. interventions in Latin America, including things like CIA-orchestrated coups, the number is over 100, and then these people who carry out brutal invasions and occupations have the gall to get up on television and talk about how wrong it is to cross a border illegally. On top of all this, then when thousands of people flee their homelands, human beings who ask for nothing more than a chance to breathe, a chance to live, a chance to survive, instead of welcoming them, instead of offering them refuge, The Biden administration has been systematically putting in place policies which make asylum essentially impossible for most people to get, all while rapidly preparing a surge of their own.
3: The Biden
2: administration formally proposed barring asylum seekers at the southern border unless they first ask for asylum in a country they passed through. It's something the Trump administration tried but was blocked in court. New
7: restrictions for asylum, requiring asylum seekers to have first been denied asylum in another country and to have obtained an appointment at a port of entry using a government app, steps that advocates say violate U.S. law.
2: This policy is confusing because it is designed to confuse and keep out asylum seekers. The
7: Biden administration says they will deal with an expected surge towards the border with its own surge of personnel and resources. If you're someone with a heart, you might be thinking, that sounds nice. I'm sure he's sending food and medicine doctors, and social workers. But no. The surge Biden is talking about is a surge of thousands of troops from the US military to assist the Border Patrol so its notoriously racist and brutal agents can be freed up to systematically arrest, detain, incarcerate, and deport massive numbers of asylum-seeking migrants
3: president biden has approved sending 1500 troops to the border the soldiers would be from active duty army units
0: it's like a war zone troops marching to the border to stop migrants from crossing we are prepared to be here indefinitely
7: sending them back to go die in hellhole conditions that the u.s has created in their countries
0: there's five here with two children all of them are from mexico there's a there's a good chance that this group right here will quickly get processed and will be back in mexico by the end of the day
7: biden insists he isn't like trump he isn't saying you can't apply for asylum he's just making it nearly impossible to get it throwing all kinds of perilous hoops in the way and making it extremely difficult and then smashing and repressing all the people who try to get in anyway a bull- Facade of compassion and legality is what Biden and the Democrats think distinguishes them from the open racism, hatred of foreigners, and unbridled brutality of Trump and the Republic fascists. Even with Biden preparing and initiating intense new levels of repression against what could be unprecedentedly large numbers of migrants trying to enter the U.S., to the Republic fascists, this isn't nearly harsh enough. These fascists see the growing diversity of this country and the loss of this country's white Christian identity as an existential threat to this country's future. Compared to what they want to do, these fascists call what Biden is doing an open borders policy.
0: He has failed America with his open border policy. All of this
7: is a byproduct of Biden's open border policies. But whether this country's war on immigrants is waged, with build-the-wall white supremacist fascism, or with Biden's heightened repression with a compassionate facade. This system has no answer other than more horror, more oppression, more misery, and more suffering. This crisis and the anguish it perpetuates is caused and driven by the global functioning of capitalism imperialism, especially U.S. imperialism a system that has impoverished tens of millions of people across Mexico, Central, and South America. It has poisoned the earth and water, made agriculture more difficult or even impossible in some rural areas, and supported death-squad governments that have murdered, brutalized, and raped countless people, all as part of building up the riches and power of the good old USA. It's this system and its enforcers who are the real criminals, the real monsters and the real mass murderers. And they have no right to deny immigrants the right to asylum. They have no right to demonize and dehumanize immigrants. They have no right to invade, bomb, oppress and exploit people all over the world. They have no right, to condemn millions to poverty, misery, death, and destruction, that the rulers can do all these things, and this is deemed legitimate under their system and its constitution, just drives home that these imperialists have no right to rule. We need to be waking up and mobilizing all those who are sick and tired of seeing so many people Being treated as less than human, to be part of standing up and opposing this now. No human being is illegal. These are our brothers and sisters. They are human beings, and no one should accept this as the new normal. And we need to be doing this as part of getting organized for an actual revolution to overthrow these imperialists and the system they enforce. It doesn't have to be this way. As the broadsheet, we are the RevCom states. Bob Avakian has expressed this profound reality. We can no longer afford to allow these imperialists to continue to dominate the world and determine the destiny of humanity. And it is a scientific fact that humanity does not have to live this way. A whole different way to organize society a whole better world is possible. Down with the Biden Trump persecution of immigrants. No human being is illegal. We don't have an immigration problem, we have an imperialism problem. This system must go. Now's the time to get organized for an actual revolution.
4: Para mi querida tía Maria, te quedaste en Mexico para los niños en la frontera. Trying to look past this thing that's between us, wondering when all this anger will fade. The stars look the same from where we are standing. Why can't we fix this mess we've made? Let's not forget that our fates are as one just because we feel numb and betrayed. There is love, there must be Something good, something strong between you and me There is hope, we must try If we don't, we'll regret it the rest of our life, Side by side, forever You and me, we are stronger together Hoping to find a path to forgiveness knowing that pride always gets in the way. We all want a place where it's safe to be human, the welcome embrace of a brand new day. Let's not allow what we have to be lost just because of what someone might say. There is love. There must be something good, something strong between you. You and me, we are stronger together.
0: Mandy Gonzalez They're featured on Line in the Sand off the album Fandango at the Wall, put together by the great Afro-Latin jazz musician Arturo Ofero, an incredible album that was performed and recorded with musicians on both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border. It's, and it brings together the different cultures, the different musical traditions, and it is such an act of internationalism of disrespect for the blood-soaked borders of this U.S. empire, and of the uh, absolute uh, beauty, the hope, the humanity of so many peoples for a world without borders and a world without the inhumanity of people being seen as less than human because of the skin, the color of their skin, the place of their birth. Or any other reason, and it's, it's just the entire album is beautiful. I'm glad to share that with you. Before that we heard our uh, Atlas Winfrey of the RNL, The Revolution Nothing Less Show, which you can find every week every Thursday night, new episodes at youtube.com/ the Revcoms. very important. There'll be this week on Thursday night a report back from Atlas Winfrey and other Revcoms who went down to the U.S-Mexico border last Thursday when title 42 expired went down there, stood with the people, burned the U.S. flag and did quite a bit more and and brought out the message of revolution and organized people for revolution. So tune in. You'll see more from Atlas. uh, And uh, we're going to stay on this in in coming weeks as this is so important and crucial to humanity's future. But now we want to shift gears let me remind you as we do that you are listening to The Michael Slate Show. And my name is Sansar Taylor. I am your guest host. We're going to shift gears to talk about what happened in New York City. And this really struck a deep nerve for good reason in so many people's hearts. I have been on the subways of New York um, for more than 20, 25 years. Um, I've lived in New York. I've ridden the subways every day, many times a day. I've seen Jordan Neely perform Millions of us from New York have seen him perform his impressions, incredible impression um, and dance moves of Michael Jackson. Um, He was choked to death. He was having a mental episode. He was not well. He was disturbed. He was on the trains desperate. And he was choked to death by a white US ex-Marine who put him in a chokehold for more than 15 minutes and continued the chokehold after Jordan Neely's body went limp he continued this this was an act of just absolute inhumanity and has disturbed many people and so i want to share a segment also from the rnl the revolution nothing less show put together by lenny wolf who is a follower of the revolutionary leader baba vakin who is really just comes at this with so much heart and so much breadth of understanding of not just the incident, but all that's concentrated in this incident, what it, how it actually manifests the system that we live in. So let's, let's go to that now.
7: Neely was placed in a chokehold by a 24-year-old subway rider for nearly 15 minutes. Look at the moment a former Marine put that man in a chokehold. The Marine was questioned by cops, but then let go. Now tonight, we're waiting to find out if he'll face charges. Also tonight, we're getting a closer look at the man who died. His name, Jordan Neely, the Manhattan borough president, Mark Levine tweeting this video saying, he often saw Neely perform on the subway, dancing and impersonating Michael Jackson.
0: It did not appear this man who seemed to be suffering from some kind of mental disturbance was seeking to assault anyone.
7: The
2: incident putting a
6: focus on mental health issues and homelessness in the subways. There is growing outrage that the former Marine who was questioned has not been charged. On the
7: Uptown F train platform at Broadway
2: Lafayette Street, a vigil for Jordan Neely.
4: Protesters once again gathering near the Broadway and Lafayette subway station, demanding accountability in the wake of Jordan
5: Neely's death.
3: What did he do to deserve this? Well, listen to his last word. I don't have food. I don't have a drink. I'm fed up. I don't mind going to jail and getting life in prison. I'm ready to die. For bitterly voicing his desperation, Jordan Neely was choked to death by a former Marine, just yes, a white guy, a former Marine, somebody who was trained to kill by this system and use those skills on jordan neely in the subway but there's a bigger
5: criminal in this situation and that criminal is this goddamn system
3: people are anguishing over and wondering why the man who killed jordan neely has not yet been charged with a crime in fact people are not just wondering they're protesting in the streets including our comrades in new york city but again why As I record this commentary over a week after the murder, have there been no charges against those who committed that murder? Now, to answer that, I'm going to talk about dictatorship. But let's not mystify that word. Dictatorship means the monopoly of the legitimate use of force by one group in society over the rest. Jordan Neely's murder is an example of class dictatorship, in its peculiarly American form. Jordan Neely lost the only life he had to the everyday repression that goes on against those this system has in one way or another used once and thrown away or never had use for at all. Those who have been driven into the hard, almost impossible life on the streets by the heartless workings of this system, capitalism, imperialism, and who have in one way or another been broken by it.
5: Don't do nothing. Don't even do nothing. Look.
3: Usually, this kind of brutality and murder is done by the official enforcers of this class dictatorship. But today, when the norms of how society have been ruled are breaking down, apparently all kinds of people now feel like they have the right to violently enforce their idea of order on other people. Why did Daniel Penny feel empowered to put another man in a chokehold and hold him in it for 15 minutes even after that human being had gone limp? Why did the other subway riders go along with that? And why did people defend or at least understand his action on both social media as well as in the big media, whether fascist or liberal. What this ends up justifying is not just state terror, but freelance piggery against oppressed people. A chokehold? Okay, so who's famous for chokeholds, especially in New York? The police, who murdered Eric Garner in 2014 for the horrible crime of selling loose cigarettes. And who does not know what chokeholds can do, especially after the murder of George Floyd? But a huge section of people, and not all of them outright fascists, are apparently okay with this. After all, we must have order, says Eric, the black Giuliani, Adams, as he issues yet more edicts to forcibly remove homeless people from public life. And to incarcerate them either in the insane asylum prisons of new york city or the prison-like psychiatric institutions upstate and let's reverse this just for a minute is there anywhere in america in which you can imagine a black man putting a white homeless man in a chokehold and killing him having the whole thing recorded on video and not even getting charged actually he'd be lucky if he didn't get killed himself that's because class dictatorship in america has always been intricately linked with the oppression of whole peoples of black people latinos native americans and others and jordan neely is one more tragic example of that in a deep sense Daniel Penny was not acting alone. He was acting as he had been trained to act by this system, both through his time in the Marines and his time just growing up and being conditioned by the workings and the assumptions of this system. And those applauding him or justifying him or excusing him are acting as they have been conditioned to think and act this system but what about the braggery of this system about okay life can be rough in America but in the end every individual can flourish really which individuals and on what basis Jordan Neely is someone who is both very talented and troubled at the same time and the best your system can do for him is to break him down and put him on the streets and finally kill him? And then not even a semblance of justice? Oh, but Jordan Neely had a record of 40 arrests. And how many of those were for the crimes of the homeless? But the law under our system treats everyone equally. So both Jordan Neely and Bill Gates are equally forbidden from performing on the trains. Both Jordan Neely and Elon Musk are equally forbidden from squeegeeing windshields to make enough to eat a little bit of breakfast. Both Jordan Neely and Eric Jr. or Ivanka Trump will be arrested or maybe even killed if they have a mental breakdown in public. Really? Think about it for one minute. People talk about the contradiction, between the immense wealth and luxury in New York City and the scourge of homelessness. But every contradiction contains both a connection as well as a potential clash. The illusion of individual freedom is the veil for and coexists with class oppression and misery. Right after I finished this piece, I saw an article entitled How the System Failed Jordan Neely. And what it seemed to be talking about was how the mental health system didn't reach him in time. But the mental health system is just a very, very subordinate cog in the larger system, the real system, the capitalist imperialist system that determines all the rest. As long as you accept the terms of that system and limit your imagination to what you think might be possible within what capitalism imperialism requires to keep going every day, you won't be able to even begin to ask the right questions. You won't be able to really dig into the roots of why homelessness, along with addiction, suicide, and mental health issues more generally, are exploding in this society or to figure out why the only things you notice being done about any of those is the explosion of the for-profit assembly line mental health services that advertise non-stop on cable to go along with the punitive policing of the democratic party pigs like the one who runs new york city eric the black giuliani adams But once you free your mind from the confines of what is possible in this capitalist imperialist system, once you truly understand the roots of these exploding crises in that system, then you can begin to clear your head and clear your eyes. You can begin to see that if we made a revolution, a real revolution, we could proceed from human beings as the most important, The most creative and the most potentially powerful productive force with all the heart and brain power that is now suppressed distorted and mangled by the dog-eat-dog relations that people must enter into or live with every day just to survive then and only then would the horizons of the truly possible open up And then and only then would you fully see the madness of how we are forced to live. In thinking about the killing of Jordan Neely and about the response of way too much of the public, as well as the nature of this system, I went back to read what the revolutionary leader and the author of the new communism, Bob Avakian said, in reference to the police murder of Taisha Miller. Taisha Miller was a young black woman who passed out in her car as a result of a seizure and was shot 11 times by police. BA said, if you can't handle this situation differently than this, then get the out of the way. Not only out of the way of this situation, but get off the earth. Get out of the way of the masses of people because we could have handled this situation any number of ways that would have resulted in a much better outcome. The heartless murder of Jordan Neely is one more evidence of a time in which you and all of us are being forced to confront the brutal, vengeful, mad reality of today. Where things are going and whether anything can be done about it. Well, something can be done. We can make revolution we have the sweeping vision the firm foundation and the concrete blueprint for the new society that could enable people to flourish together in the constitution for the new socialist republic in north america written by bob avakian we have the strategy to make that revolution and not in the far-off future but in these times a revolution that can put in place the economic system. The political structures and the social relations between people to figure out new approaches to solve the problems that confound people under this system and we have the leadership for that in Bob Avakian and the Revcoms the revolutionary communists this is what you need to be part of
0: that was Lenny Wolf of the RNL, The Revolution Nothing Less Show. And he spoke about dictatorship. He spoke about dictatorship in a way that is so different than how we have been brainwashed to think of it and understand it, that we live, Lenny made the point, we live now under a dictatorship. Yes, it calls itself a democracy, but it is a dictatorship of the capitalist imperialist class. And those are the relations that are enforced through violence, and through the culture, and through so much more. So to go deeper into this crucial understanding of what is an actual dictatorship, how it is that we live under one, and the reality that not all dictatorships are bad. This one is, but there are revolutionary New society, there is a different way that we could be living that is also a dictatorship as a transition to a world system of global emancipation, world communism. I want to share with you an excerpt from the interviews that I had the great privilege and honor to do last fall with the revolutionary leader, Bob Avakian. I did these interviews together with Andy Z, who is the main host of the Revolution Nothing Less show. And Andy asked Bob Avakian about this question of dictatorship and democracy. This is the last thing we want to get into today in today's show. And uh, I'll let Andy set up the question. Let's listen.
7: And you've made a few, a couple of very provocative statements that have to do with the, the nature of this radically different uh, state power. One, you wrote that not all dictatorships are bad. And another time you said democracy That's just another word for dictatorship. So these are highly controversial and provocative statements, particularly in this brainwashed society as to what the nature of what democracy actually means and what it is. So I thought it'd be important to get into uh, why it is necessary to be straight up about this for
1: humanity to get free. Well, look, once again, it depends on what the content of the dictatorship is, but let's back up a step. First of all, we have to define what is a dictatorship. A dictatorship is not, you know, Nikita Khrushchev pounding his shoe on the table in the UN and saying, we will bury you. That's not a a dictatorship. A dictatorship, imagine just one person trying to dictate to all of society with no institutions to back it up and no underlying relations that that's based on. You would be impossible. Just think about it. A dictatorship is dictatorship by a class. It's a dictatorship based on an underlying system, either a capitalist imperialist system of exploitation, or on the other hand, a radically different dictatorship of the socialist system, which is moving to uproot all exploitation and oppression. So they're qualitatively different. I know when we went out to the law school, I think at UCLA, Mm -hmm. and we, you know, popularized this article that you're referring to, which made this point about what a dictatorship actually is. It's the rule of a class, not of an individual or a small clique of people. And you know, it it rests on a definite underlying system of social and fundamentally, most fundamentally, economic relations. So we went there and, and one of these law students said, well, you're redefining the definition of what a dictatorship is. Yes, Because Mm -hmm. we're bringing forward the scientific explanation of what a dictatorship is, and redefining the unscientific notion that a dictatorship is or could be exercised by just one person or a small group of people with no uh, understanding of the underlying system that they're trying to enforce and what relations that system embodies. So that's the first thing you have to understand. What is a dictatorship? so you know uh, uh, and the dictatorship of the proletariat the exploited class that's another way of saying socialist state power Mm -hmm. let's demystify that's what we're talking about we're talking about state power to enforce the transformations to be the to be the backing the institutionalized backing for the transformations that the socialist revolution is all about uprooting the oppression of women uprooting all gender oppression, uprooting the exploitation of people, you know, where some people make money by forcing other people to work for them, uprooting, you know, all the uh, relations among different races and nationalities that are oppressive, that embodies the supremacy of one group over another, and so on and so on. This is what the socialist state power, the dictatorship of the proletariat, is all about. Now, is there democracy under this dictatorship? Yes, there is democracy in a way that you know is unimaginable under the current capitalist imperialist system, which is the rule of exploiters. There, there is the involvement, the increasing involvement, wave after wave of broad masses of people, in actually determining the direction of society on the basis of leadership, which, you know leads them to transform the oppressive relations that they rose up against to make revolution in the first place. So, yes, you need leadership, but there's, there is active involvement. And yes, as I said, there's a lot of dissent ferment, you know, in the arts, you know, in culture generally in the, you know, for example, in the Constitution for the New Socialist Republic in North America it makes the point. It, it talks about the principle, which is the principle that guides this whole Constitution and the dictatorship of the proletariat, the social state power that it envisions and speaks to, which is solid core with a lot of elasticity based on the solid core. So in the realm of education, for example, it says that the solid core of the educational system in this new social society will be the application of dialectical materialism, the scientific approach to understanding material reality both in nature and in society. It says that will be the solid core, but there will also be the elasticity in the form of allowance for other and opposing viewpoints to be presented in the context of the educational system and so throughout society, in the realm of culture, in the realm of the media, and so on. This is how you know, it is envisioned. This is what we've come to understand needs to be applied in terms of actually exercising socialist state power, the dictatorship of the proletariat in a way that increasingly involves the conscious revolutionary activity, of the mass of people, and they're thrashing out different ideas and programs and where they'll lead in a living way. So, you know, now to talk about democracy, on the other hand, under this system, you know, Mao said, you know, Oh, Mao said, sounds religious. But anyway, Mao <laughs> did say, and he was right. So that's the important point, that, that, you know, that democracy is part of the superstructure. What do we mean by that? Well, you know, like you have a house that has a foundation, the walls and the roof are the superstructure over the foundation. So in society, the foundation is the economic system and the political institutions and processes and the culture are the superstructure that arises on that and then in turn reflects and reinforces it. So the point is that in the superstructure, democracy is part of that superstructure. And What does that mean? It means that the the superstructure, again, arises on the basis of and in turn reinforces the underlying foundation, the economic system that is the foundation for the society. So when you have a capitalist economic foundation based on exploitation, the superstructure in order for the society to function has to be an expression of and reinforce that underlying system of exploitation. And if it doesn't, then the society will just come completely unraveled and be torn apart. And I've used the example many times, and it's, I think it's a good example of the the right to eat. You know, the laws as well as the politics are part of the superstructure. So let's say you had a law in capitalist society that said people have a right to eat and let's expand it more broadly. People have a right to all the basic necessities of life. I mean, after all, what can be more fundamental? that you have to, you know, that you can have the basic necessities of life or that you're denied the basic necessities of life. So let's say you pass a law, some well-meaning social Democrats got in and they said, let's pass a law that says that everyone has the right to eat. All right. Well, now that's a that's a right enshrined in law. So hungry masses who don't have the money to pay for, you know, forget about Whole Foods, you know, just, uh, you know, what is it? Ralph's Market, you know, from, from the Big Lebowski, right? Anyway, let's say they let's say they go into Ralph's Market, you know, and they don't they, they go up to the cashier and, and they've got all this food and the cashier says that'll be one hundred and seventy three dollars and 28 cents. And they say, I'm sorry, I only have sixteen dollars. Well, then you have to put some food back. No, I don't, because I have a right to eat. It's written into the law. Now, imagine what would happen then. You, the whole economy would very quickly fall apart because it takes money to produce all this stuff that's sold in the store. You know, the store has to have a building, it has to have maintenance, it has to pay employees, plus all the other people that had to be paid, and all the structures that had to exist, and the machinery that had to be used to produce the food, and first of all, the farm workers, to get it out of the ground, and so on, and to plant it. All that, had to, all that is expenses that went into producing all this food. So if people, if people just walk in and say, I have a right enshrined in law, you can't stop me, I'm gonna take anything I need out of this store as long as I say it's for my basic needs, the whole, you could see how the whole society would come completely unraveled. So that, you know, this is a, a, one illustration of how the superstructure of politics and laws and so on has to reflect the underlying system. The democracy we have under this system is a democracy of the capitalist system of exploitation. It means that you can exercise rights as long as they stay within the framework of the capitalist system of exploitation.
0: That was Bob Avakian, the revolutionary leader, the architect of the new communism, speaking on democracy and dictatorship. And once again, flipping reality back on its right side up, not the way we're brainwashed, not the way we've been indoctrinated, but the way that reality actually is. Um, That is from the interviews that I had the honor and privilege of doing with Bob Avakian last year. Um, Andy Z and I interviewed Bob Avakian. It was heart and soul, hardcore for revolution, up close and personal with Bob Avakian on the revolution, nothing less show. You can find the full interviews at youtube.com slash the And I want to thank you for spending all or even part of the hour with me here today on the Michael Slate show. My name is Sansara Taylor. I am your guest host and I want to thank Henry Carson for assistant producing and remind you that the problem is not human nature. It is the nature of the system. Through a real revolution, a better world is possible. I'll talk to you next week.